It's like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are here our second week of August 2019, and we are in the theme Originals. This is where we watch originals of movies where we've seen the remakes, but never the source material. And for this week, we're going to be talking about Infernal Affairs from 2002. We'll get more into that later in the episode, um, but if you've never listened to the podcast before, before... We like to talk uh, about what's been going on in our lives and getting into what we've been watching before we get into our review of the feature film of the week. Um, so with that, it's a big day today that we're recording this. Did, Corey, you want to tell the listeners what day it is? Guys, it's John's birthday. It's my birthday. <laughs> Yay. Um, that's right, folks. We're recording on August 7th, the day I came into this world uh, uh, 37 years ago. Um, so I'm getting, I'm getting a little up there in the, uh, the old age bracket, but you know, I'm, this is a year I'm taking care of myself. I'm, uh, going to the gym and whatnot and losing some weight and trying to get into shape, eating better. Um, I didn't, I didn't even have a, a piece of birthday cake today, Corey, because I did have a piece of birthday cake like two weeks ago. Um, we celebrated, uh, I, I think I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast or I mentioned it to you, but I'm playing Magic the Gathering again. Uh, with some friends and stuff and uh to celebrate my birthday my wife had one of my friends organize a draft um which is where you uh each player has three packs um you open one pack at a time and then each you pick one card from those 15 cards and you pass it to the right um or i'm sorry you pass to the left the first round and um and you pick a card from the next thing and so on and so forth until all those cards are gone and then you open the next pack and you repeat and then at the end you're left with like 60 cards and you have to build a 40 card deck include uh, adding mana which is from lands don't want to get too into this but it was a fun night uh taylor played with us uh we had eight people um and i did i had i cheated a little that night i had a, a one or two slices of pizza and a very thin slice of cake so that was where i got my birthday cake um but i did tonight have a delicious uh low carb ice cream bar mint chocolate chip and it was very very good i liked it very much I'm glad. Thank you. When you said that you didn't have birthday cake yes, at first, I, I meant you had it all, and I was really sad for you. I loved, I yeah. loved baked goods. Well, I I was very <laughs> responsible with my my slice of cake. I I tried to have a very thin slice, um, and and then I did go to the gym the next day too to you know to work it off. But I'll um, that. yeah, and uh, nonetheless, you know, I'm I'm being very careful with what I eat. I did have um. I had a big salad for dinner tonight. It was delicious, uh, which is something I, I used to never salads. think I would say. I didn't used to. I've gotten now, especially um, as I've cut out a lot of processed foods, like I'm finding I like more vegetables. Um, I'm guessing I have taste buds now. Uh, you know, the salt is, is d- dissipated. Um, so, uh, like, I used to not really like tomatoes much in salad. Now I like them a lot in salad. Um, especially oh. like cherry tomatoes used to bug Yes. Me. Oh, I Bill buys me like a little pint of them every week, and I eat them with my salads, or I'll dip them in a little hummus. I love tomatoes. I like them. And I'm hoping at some point when I get because I'm I'm doing a version of keto. I'm calling it keto light because I'm eating like the high end on the keto carb allowance, um, but mainly because I want it to be sustainable. And um, yeah. 
I'm hoping when I get down to my goal weight to start transitioning into, I probably won't go full like vegetarian vegan, but I want to eat a lot less red meat, um, and less meat in general. And so I'm, I'm excited that I'm actually like enjoying eating so many vegetables right now. Um, I'm also finding I really like spicy stuff now. Um, and it's partly, uh, I think cause there's so many sauces I can't eat cause of like carb count. So like spice is the way to go. Um, like, you know, cause hot sauce has like no carbs and no calories. It's basically mm, just sriracha. flavored. Yeah, and then um, even jalapeno just peppers, I just really like, enjoy stuff. <laughs> um, Bill will just eat jalapenos whole, so <laughs> when I'm going to be cooking them, I just am like, I add like three or four to my list, because Bill does grocery shopping. Wow. So he, he, just, just... he just eats them. That's crazy. Like, seeds and all. Yeah. I can't... I'm a wimp. Uh, I met... The other night, we were uh, we had forgot to take something out for dinner, and Kathy had to work a double... So it's just going to be me and Taylor, and I texted her, and I was like, do you want me to buy some groceries and cook, or do you want to get some food from somewhere? Because, like, there's, you know, we, we can, we both have to eat carb light, um, so usually we can find something we both want that's, you know, safe for us. And uh, she's, she's like, no, I'd rather you cook. I'm like, okay. So I went to Publix, and I got two pieces of salmon. She's never had uh, cooked salmon. She's had sushi and sashimi. So she likes salmon, but she's never had it Hold cooked. Hold on, what? Yeah, I know. Are you saying what because you thought she had had cooked salmon? Or? No, because she, when we went to have sushi last time I came home, mm-hmm. she was not having that. She was, she had chicken teriyaki or something. Taylor? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I thought you were talking yeah, about no, Kathy. Kathy's at I was like, work at double, so Kathy has no okay. dinner with us. So, <laughs> Taylor. Oh, so Taylor's eating carb light too? Taylor has celiac. Um, so she can't eat gluten. That's right. So it basically is a carb light diet. Um, she does not need to eat carb light, mind you. She is very skinny, but uh, she has to eat carb light. I mean, not carb light necessarily, because she can eat rice and potatoes. But she she has to eat gluten free, and so that usually works for me because most places that have gluten free options have a carb light type menu. You know, like it's a lot of salads and vegetables and stuff like that. So it bounces. Yeah. But so I made um salmon. I've never seared or like pan seared salmon, and that's what I did this for this, uh, which came out really good. Um, I'm I bought Publix has these pre made like um, go in the oven like meal apron things. That's they're, that's what they call them like apron ready, whatever. And they had uh, potato skins, so it was like, you know, I, again I I'm eating carb heavy, so this was this was like my carb intake for the day. But I got it was four potato skins for like five bucks. Um, with cheese and bacon on them. So I, I got that, threw that in the oven. And then they had bacon-wrapped jalapeno poppers um, pre-made, right? So it was like five five jalapenos um, stuffed with cream cheese wrapped in bacon. Uh, so made those as our sides because uh, the jalapeno poppers, the cheese has a couple of carbs in it, but the, the peppers are almost nothing. Um, and so she was she tried everything. She tried the jalapeno poppers. She liked the, She's had potato skins before. likes those a lot. Um and I was I really liked the jalapeno poppers. They were really mild though, like super mild jalapenos. Like there was almost no heat at all, which I'm not complaining, but it definitely I was ex- I was kind of expecting like heat and there was nothing. So I was like, all right, well whatever. But it still well, it was I think really that the good cream dinner. cheese really like cuts down on that, and they probably True. took out all the seeds. They definitely took out all the seeds. I I could tell that for sure. Um, which that I had a friend. Uh, oh, I still have a friend. He still I I haven't eaten his jalapeno popper since he tricked me the first time. Um, he's a coworker friend. Uh, he, he brought me jalapeno poppers and he's like, here you go. I'm like, dude, those look amazing. Like they're wrapped in bacon, just like that. You know, this is a couple years ago too. And I eat it 
and it's the hottest thing I've ever eaten. Like at the time, especially, I was like dying. And he tells me after it was he, a ghost pepper. No, it was a jalapeno. Oh. But he takes the seeds, blends the seeds. Oh shit! And mixes it into the cream cheese. So the thing that's supposed <laughs> that's to cool wrong. it down is hot. <laughs> oh no! We already, I, we established that I'm a wimp. Like when I, I'll make like Bill and I a little Mexican dinner, and I'll make us a little pot of black beans, and I put cumin in them, and all this stuff but i only put like and i like chop up a jalapeno and put it in there but i only put like one or two seeds because i can't handle it yeah oh yeah. that's uh, awful yeah so i've not i've never tried it. i kind of want to try them now because now i like a little more heat i still don't think i can handle it it killed me i was like dying the rest of the day and i saw him and he didn't you know i saw him after i because i ate him like he during my lunch period and I saw him, I was like, dude, those were so high. He's like, well, you see, and that's when he told me the, his secrets, if you will. And I'm like, dude, that's not cool. <laughs> like, you, I almost oh. died. Um, super spicy. But, um, yeah, so that that was earlier this week. Um, you know, I, I like cooking stuff and uh, trying new things, and that was fun. Um, especially because the salmon, I've never, like I said, pan-seared salmon. And now I'm like, I'm buying that all the time because it was super quick and easy and really, really tasty. Um big fan of the montreal steak seasoning and i've been putting it like I, I bought it for steak but it does say like for seafood so i threw that on the salmon and it, it just it was just perfect um super good not sure uh if, if listeners are into cooking but uh maybe that's the next podcast we get you me and mike and we start doing top five meal prep kits or something you know? <laughs> um how, how you, how's your week been it feels long i have friday off um and, you know, I'm just, Bill and I are going to go to the river and just swim and Old chill. Man river. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just feel like the week is taking even longer because it's a short week. Uh, but it's, it's, it's okay. I'm going out with a friend tomorrow for mm. her birthday. Oh, okay. your friend here. Where you're just like not here to hang out. Although you did get me an awesome birthday present. Can I, can I say what you got me? Of course you can. Corey got me uh, a movie I've wanted to buy since it came out on Criterion. Notorious, the Alfred Hitchcock film. Um, I've I've not seen it still, but I am a big Hitchcock fan, and it's a movie that I uh, for a while was hard to find, and Criterion released it, and I've wanted to buy it, wanted to buy it, wanted to buy it, and have been putting it off, and now I don't have to because my good friend Corey added it to my collection. Um, I mean. I feel like your birthday is very convenient because the Criterion sale ends like a few days before your birthday. I think yep. it ended August second this time. Oh wow! And Amazon does. Yeah, it went for a really long time. It went for over a month. Yeah. Um, and so Barnes Noble's doing that, and then Amazon will kind of mirror it. Their movies will be like a couple dollars more, but it's fine because we get free shipping. Yeah, yeah, the free shipping and the two-day shipping at that. Um, yeah. And, it, again, it's only – it is, like, two bucks more. It's not quite half off on Amazon's sale, but um, I think they're probably calculating in the shipping cost of Barnes & Noble. And also, uh, if you're lucky enough to live near Barnes & Noble, you can go and browse. But my my the, my closest one is literally an hour and 20 minutes away. Uh. I went uh, for a critic screening, though, to that area, so I went to the Barnes & Noble – and I was very sad to see they've condensed their DVD and music section into, like, one rack. Um, what? It, yeah, it used to be a big corner, and now it's one rack, basically. Well, one big rack, and then, like, a couple of sales racks adjacent to it. And I was so concerned. They, they did still have the Criterion films, but it was definitely a lot less, and it was very, very tight. 
so it was hard to like flip through them because they were like packed to the, the they were so full like you had to take one out in order to actually flip through them um but and i had like three or four in my hand and i ended up putting them all back because i was like i really shouldn't buy anything right now and i was being responsible and it's not fun to be responsible although you don't feel guilty afterwards so i guess it balances out but um and let's be honest we both buy things and we still wait a long time to watch them so i literally just watched broadcast news like a week ago or two weeks ago and i bought that last year during the criterion sale so um and i still have maholland drive brazil and um the something without a face the i can't i always forget the name of that movie but something faceless something like that um that i bought last summer have not watched and then i bought the magnificent ambersons um when it came out during the second criterion sale and i still have not watched that so yeah you're completely right we are we are notoriously bad at buying things and then sitting on the shelf waiting so we could most likely wait another year for the sale or six usually they do two or three a yeah year. They do one right before Christmas, I think in like November to December. So yeah, and maybe maybe it's... things will be better financially where I can you know afford to buy two or three movies. I really wanted to get the Jackie Chan two pack. It was Super Cop and Super oh. Cop two, um, and they did like that's what I was I really was looking for that because I already had gotten notorious from you. Yeah, they just released it on Criterion. Um, it, oh, it was one of the new ones, and they it's it was uh twenty five bucks for the two movies together, um. And they didn't have it at my Barnes and Noble, and I was that's that's what I think I I really wanted. I I've used to be a huge Jackie Chan fan when I was in high school, and I think around um, the second movie with Chris Tucker. Why can't I think of what those are called? Rush Hour. When Rush Hour Two came out, I think I started to like lose interest in Jackie Chan, where he became kind of a he started kind of becoming a parody of himself in the U.S. movies. Um, and that's when you, you start seeing, like, he does the, the nanny movie where he's, like, the kid's nanny. I don't remember what the movie's called, but it's every action hero ends up in that one film where they have to take care of children. Like, uh, Vin Diesel has the pacifier. The Rock has the tooth fairy. Um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger had kindergarten cop. This was Jackie Chan's, like, okay, now you got to do the kid comedy. Um, and then that kind of became his rut where it was just, like, these really bad movies. But I recently, like, last year I taught um, Project A, which is one of Jackie Chan's earlier uh chinese films and also a tribute to the slapstick comedy era where he uh he has a sequence where he mimics three iconic scenes from the silent era um and it really restored like my my love of him as a filmmaker and as a a martial artist and specifically his chinese films where he had a lot more control over the film itself and so this criterion said i really really want if they had had it i probably wouldn't have had the self-control to not buy it um so i think i lucked out and i'll hopefully get it around christmas time um but I don't know how we ended up on the Criterion talk again because I think we did that a couple of episodes ago. Oh, because I asked about my birthday present. Um, so thank you for my birthday present. You're so welcome. And um, I think we recorded on Friday last week, if I re- recall correctly. Um, yes, we did. Uh, so that leads us to um, getting into what we've been watching since the last time we recorded. We haven't had too many days here to watch anything, but have you seen any other movies besides Infernal <sighs> Affair? Um, so I'm old and <laughs> we don't talk about that a lot, but I like to be home and Bill kind of sprung it on me Friday night. I've been mm. harassing him about taking me to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then I told him that I told you that I was just going to have to get another husband, I guess. So he's like, <laughs> let's, he's like, let's go. I bet they have a 10 o'clock show and it's 930, you know, and I'm just like, oh, hell, they had a 1015 showing. So we went three we hour went. movie. 
Yeah. And I didn't even have to get up and use the restroom once. That's wow. amazing. That yeah. is. Yeah, Bill's like, I have to go. <laughs> Runs out of the, like, whatever to go to the restroom. But um, I really liked it. I read an article, I think, uh, on Variety that had, like, kind of intertwined interviews with Tarantino and Sharon Tate's sister. And it just made mm. me love... Is it Margot Robbie or Roby? I have been saying Roby, and I feel like I heard that. I'm not 100%. I say Roby, too, and then I'm like, maybe that's not right. It has two Bs, but anyways. Um, it just made me appreciate and love her performance even more. Um, love Brad Pitt so much in it. And then Leo's Leo's good, too, but... Um, I great. Yeah, but I just... There's just something about Brad Pitt pitt's character that i just like loved so much even though maybe i shouldn't have but i did definitely questionable tarantino yeah. throws some things out there we won't say anything about the movie for spoiler reasons but um yeah there's some there's some definite questionable elements to his character that leave you kind of like i really like him but but should i yeah, yeah. um also i you know i sent you the new um Netflix list mm -hmm. and saw some real good stuff coming like uh, the Rocco's Modern Life movie, Invader Zim movie. Bill will watch those with me too. Of course, the new season of Stranger Things came out I think last month. Uh, there's going to be another season of Peaky Blinders coming out so mm -hmm. I went ahead and renewed or reactivated my account. Oh. And I just finished uh, like an hour and a half before we recorded uh, maybe about an hour. I finished Stranger Things, and I was ugly crying. Oh, man. Yeah, don't say anything, because that's definitely... I'm not going to! It's real good, uh, But have you, like, you... I mean, I feel like everyone feels the way that I do. Um, that you just love all of these characters so much. You, you know, know it always I just baffles feel, me. like, personally invested yeah. in them. Yes. Whenever I hear someone who doesn't like the show, and I, it, I haven't met too many, like, day-to-day -day people... I've but other critics couple. I've heard like really bash this show and I, I can see what they're saying. And like, I, I never like the argument when there's like, well, there's other things that do the same. Like, yeah. Okay. Like that's going to happen. Like there's only so many things you can do. And every once in a while, there someone only will, so many stories. Well, even, even just like ways of telling the story, there's eventually you run out. Someone will innovate for sure. Somebody will come up with something new eventually, but it doesn't mean we don't get new content for a while. And, um, it's still different actors and they're they get to do it slightly differently and they they get to pay homage and yes there's some yes there's a lot of commercials built into this like the coca-cola in this season is kind of ridiculous but it's also really funny um but i feel like that was that must have been how it is like the new coke probably i just it doesn't make I, it not product placement but you're you're not no. wrong um it, it can do both like it can it there's a difference between having random products just surfacing zooming and in on an apple computer sorry yes. And again, that's not saying Stranger Things doesn't do that also, but um, I enjoy the show a, a lot. I, I, I thought season two had what, dragged mm. a bit, and there was like the episode where Seven meets her friends. Not Seven, Eleven. Sad, Seven, Eleven. Um, where Eleven meets her friends, and they're like not her. F you know what I mean? You know, episode I'm talking about where it's like random people. And, yeah, the like homeless. Yeah, kids. it just deviates from the show, and then it doesn't come back at all in season three, so it even becomes more of a waste of our time in season but two. But I feel like she just didn't have her place. And I feel like... Sure, then but it doesn't make that episode 
function. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, um, I guess it, it still felt like it dragged, but season three, I, I really enjoyed season three. Um, you know, we don't want to get in spoilers, but we, we binged that on 4th of July, so it's been a while since I watched it, but... And I don't know about you, like, I know that you don't necessarily like synthy 80s music, but I don't even understand why they have a skip intro at the beginning. Of, oh. Well, it's not even at the beginning. You get, like, two, three, four, five minutes of the beginning of the show, and then it does, like, the intro with the music. And I just think that it has the best music of any show I've hmm. ever yeah, it's, it's just so it definitely is a, a great example of the 80s synth scores and I, I you're not wrong i don't love them all the time i do love the stranger things one though and i i like a lot of carpenter's stuff um i don't like i need to i need to revisit it follows i think i think i may have been too harsh on it going oh, into it, it follows. follows um i also think listening to it uh, i had uh like stereo headphones on when i watched it oh um, and i think it might have just been too much in my head um that way so i'd like to watch it again with like normal speakers on you know like on the tv kind of thing um and give it another chance i still think it it doesn't follow its own rules in that movie and that was one of my big complaints about it but uh, so many people love it i i feel like i may have been prejudged it um going into it but nonetheless um was there anything else that you've watched uh now that especially Um, since you've added netflix again not i haven't had a lot of time but yeah i forgot to tell you last week sorry oh, oh no problem going back a week i watched yeah i watched the old man and the gun oh and i don't usually like dive back to previous weeks or whatever but we're both friends of the direct for oh, i wish we were friends yeah but we're both uh, fans yes of the director. <laughs> um i mean i've spoken and... to his wife but it, like I wouldn't go as far to say even she and I are friends. We're friends. Uh, we're <laughs> but... friends. Um, but I, like, at first I was like, okay, I like it. It's okay. But then there was, like, just one part in that movie that I just loved it so much. And I loved Robert Redford's character. And I loved Casey Affleck's character. I... And I loved their respect of each other. The, there's a moment when he, uh, I don't want to spoil the film, but there's a moment where Affleck realizes something and like his eyes like light up for like the first time in the film like because he's he's kind of depressed throughout the film that's part of it's kind of one of the themes uh and i i just i loved that moment so much i i really really enjoyed that film i was kind of bummed because i showed it to one of my classes and that ended up being the week that i was like super sick and i ended up not being there when they got to watch it and i was really bummed that i wasn't there to sit with them um and yeah, uh, I, I love it. Um, I, I'm a big fan of what I've seen of Lowry. I still have not watched Pete's Dragon. Um, I need I to do either. that. I, I do have it. I just have not gotten to it. Um, I honestly, especially because I'm not a big fan of the Disney remakes lately. Um, so I, 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 and I don't really remember the old one. So like, it's not because I like, oh, I love the original. Um, it's more like I, I wasn't really interested in the original and I, I don't really want to watch this one. And Bryce Dallas Howard is a hit or miss for me, so I don't know like if I really want to <sighs> sit through it. But, um, but yeah, uh, Old Man and the Gun. I'm glad you finally watched it. I'm glad you liked it too, because that would have been crappy if you hated it after I like encouraged you to watch it. But be like, uh, oh, I'm never listening to you again. I can't be on Movie Club anymore. Bye. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, um, I think when we recorded last time, I had already seen Fast and Furious, um, Hobbs and Shaw, and uh, Them That Follow. I'm pretty sure I'd already watched those. Um, because I think that was Thursday. Yeah, that I'm was Thursday. I'm sure about Hobbs and Shaw. Okay, well, then that follows was the uh, the snake handler um 
movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. With Olivia Coleman, who's amazing. But um, so since then, I, I watched Infernal Affairs on Saturday. I went ahead and knocked it out, knowing we were recording early, and I didn't want to like because I'm back at work this week, uh, officially getting everything ready. Uh, I have tomorrow is going to be a crazy day because we have orientation at three to eight o'clock. Um, tomorrow being now past when you hear this, listener. But um, so I, I have to. I'm going to be there. We're, we're allowed to come in a little later, but I'm still going to like I got to get up and I got some stuff to do, and I have a few extra jobs that I need to do, um, for the school, um, that isn't, like, my normal part of my job, it's, like, for me, it's normal, because I, I do a lot of graphic design stuff, and I do a lot of video editing and stuff for the school, um, and I have to do both of those things tomorrow, um, on top of, like, the normal workday, but that said, um, I, I wanted to make sure I knocked it out, didn't run into any problems, but then Sunday, um, Kathy and I ended up taking a date day uh, and going to um, driving about an hour, but going to see Top Gun in the theater uh, for the uh, retro cinema and um, oh. super fun. Uh, I I hadn't seen Top Gun in its entirety till about three years ago. Um, I think I watched it the first year of the mo- of Burke reviews, and um, I Kathy convinced me to watch it then, and I was like, oh, you know what? It's really good. It's and. I was really shocked because I had a, I have a friend who quotes this movie all the time, and I did not know that's what he was doing. I just thought he had these random statements. Like he used to say negative ghostwriter all the time. No clue that was a Top Gun reference until like three years ago. But I I still when I watched it I watched it at home and I I paid attention to it, but I knew I wouldn't have given it a hundred percent. Like it never happens at home because like the the dog might nudge me or something. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm gonna look away. Um, so going to the theater to see it was cool and especially the sound because that movie's sound is so important like just sounds of the jets but the soundtrack itself um, it was really cool seeing it in the theater and it was it was pretty packed and of course there's hype because uh, Top Gun Maverick trailer dropped a couple weeks ago um, and so everyone's really looking forward to the sequel next year uh, so it was, it was cool um, seeing it in the theater and then uh, the next day um, you, I've I've mentioned many many times that I'm into this podcast called Blank Check, and uh, I just completed the Michael Mann miniseries with them. They've been doing the Michael Mann. Um, they just finished that series, and so the next director they're doing is um, the name I'm gonna always butcher. I just cannot get it right. Uh, Hao Miyazaki, who is uh, most famous as the Studio Ghibli um, filmmaker, uh, and he's a filmmaker I've wanted to get more into. We've watched. Um, I think just My Neighbor Totoro on the podcast. Um, and I've seen Spirited Away uh, before him. But that's basically... Oh, no, and Grave of the Fireflies, I think he's attached to as well. Um, or at least Studio Ghibli is. And we did that for the podcast. But uh, they're starting his miniseries. Um, and so I still have... I own four of the Blu-rays, and I wanted to j- get a jump on it. So I tweeted at uh, Griffin Newman and David and the Blank Jet, uh Twitter asking like are you doing the full filmography because like they did spielberg but they cut spielberg into his second half of his career because oh. spielberg has such a big uh, thing spielberg. and they did it when he started um dreamworks uh as a, uh, he's one of the first filmmakers to start his own full studio um and so they did the dreamworks years and so i wasn't sure if they were going to do all of Miyazaki's films because it's a lot like it's a massive filmography um spanning like 30 years you know and uh, sure enough, he responded, and uh, they, they were doing the full thing. So um, I started with, uh, the, technically it's his, I think, third film, might be his second film, um, Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind, because um, I'm, I'm, I'm at least a week ahead 
uh, like the new episode won't drop until uh, Sunday, and usually they do a buffer episode between directors. So they'll do like a director's miniseries, then they'll have like a one-off where they'll just pick a random movie. Usually their producer Ben picks um, a movie he loves, and that's what they'll review for that week, and then they get started on the next miniseries. So I'm giving myself a little bit of buffer. But Nasca the Valley of the Wind is a movie that Mike first brought to my attention. Mike uh, Sanchez, who does top five movies with us, um, it came out in 1984. Uh, it's one of the earlier Studio Ghibli films, as I mentioned, and it is great. Um, I, I kind of put it on in the background. A lot of times when I watch the blank check films, I watch them in the background um, so that because I'm, I'm not looking to review it. I'm looking to listen to a podcast about it, right? So I don't necessarily have to give it all of my attention. Uh, this one pulled me in and made me give it all of my attention. Um, I, I did listen to, I watched the dub version, um, and at one point I'm listening to a character, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's Shia LaBeouf, but this movie's from 1984. Come to find out, the uh, the American dub is from 2005, so it is Shia LaBeouf. Um, and all the voice actors are, are more modern for the dub version because of that. But uh, yeah, I loved it. I highly recommend it. If you have access to it, check it out. Um, I bought it... Uh, on blu-ray a while back um i also i have castle in the sky howl's moving castle and uh princess mononoke to watch uh on blu-ray and i ordered um i went i don't know how good it's gonna be Corey. i don't usually buy things off ebay i took a chance okay. here i got a dvd box set 17 studio ghibli films whoa dvd not blu-ray which is disappointing it's I'm pretty sure it's going to end up being a bootleg. I don't know for sure. It doesn't say it's a bootleg. Like, I did not intentionally buy a bootleg film, but it was 20 bucks. So mm. right away, I'm skeptical, right? Because every Blu-ray is 20 bucks basically. So I'm like, mm-hmm. And free shipping. And I'm supposed to have it in on the 13th. So I'm like, this sounds way too good to be true. But he has a lot of positive reviews. I'm, I'm very hopeful that this is, like, legit. Or it's at least, like, maybe it's, like, a you know bootleg version but it's good quality i i don't know what i'm getting but that was the cheapest option i had to get as many of the studio ghibli films as i could um so i'm trying it if it doesn't pan out because a lot of them aren't available digitally either so like you kind of have to get physical media and again the blu-rays are like 15 to 20 bucks a pop i don't have that to follow along with the podcast even that i'm like going weekly with it so i'm hoping this box set thing will pan out but um, that's enough of the uh, blank check Nausicaa thing. But the last movie I watched, I watched last night, and it's because I'm listening to the James L. Brooke miniseries they did a few about a year ago. Um, but I'm catching up with the podcast. I just I've only been listening for a few. Well, I guess I've been listening for several months now, but um, I'm still getting through back episodes and stuff. Um, but the James L. Brooke movie I watched last night is one I kind of had skipped because of when it came out like I was not interested in the Adam Sandler dramedies that were coming out in 2004 but I watched Spanglish last night for the first time um that stars Adam Sandler, Tia Leone, Pass Vega uh it, it's it's all right it's got some some moments it's it's not it's not as good as his other movies like especially when you look at James L. Brooks's career it's really crazy because he starts with Terms of Endearment a movie that we talked about <laughs> And yeah, I love that movie. Then he does Broadcast News, a movie that you desperately need to see. It's amazing. It, it might be one of my favorite rom-coms of all time. And I am a big rom-com fan, so that says something. And um, and then he does a, a musical that I have not seen because it, it was not easy to get a hold of. So I just And also, I heard bad things, so I was like, well, why bother? Um, and I, I feel like I made the right call. It was supposed to be a musical, but then uh, they, the studio it does so bad at a test screening that the studio makes him cut the songs. 
and if you wrote a musical and made a musical and you can cut the songs out of it and it still works <laughs> that's a so problem why was it a musical in the first place yeah exactly but even more it it didn't really work because it's not very good at least according to the blank check guys and the, they're they're really good at breaking down the whole movie so even though i didn't watch it i feel like i i've seen it kind of thing um but then they did as good as you get as good as it gets which i had seen and i still really remember like i saw it when i was in high school um, and I still remember that movie. It had a big impact on me when I was there. It was the first time I'd ever heard of OCD, even though it's misrepresented in that film. Um, I, I, it was like such a jarring uh, idea that it's it always stayed with me. And Jack Nicholson and Hel- Helen Hunter, both so good in it. Um, and then, so Spanglish is where I, I, I'm at. And uh, it was on Netflix. It's not now, but I actually got it really cheap uh, used. I think I got it for like two bucks at FYE now, like a less than a month ago knowing that i was like listening to this podcast and i was gonna have to get through the uh, james l brooks i also have to start watching the ang lee movies um the brad burr films that i've not seen so i'm finally gonna watch iron giant um which is one i've been putting off uh for a long time oh my god i always forget that you haven't seen that yeah yeah it came out at a time when i didn't like cartoons and i've I've just never been interested in it um be honest i need to rewatch it because i haven't watched it since Mm. 10th or 11th grade well I will be watching it here in the next couple of weeks. I have to find a copy of it. Um, I don't. I thought I owned it, and apparently I don't. So, I, and I've seen it at Walmart in the bins before for like five bucks or whatever. I just gotta go hunting for it and hope they still have it in there because it's like ten bucks digital. And I don't, you know, I might buy it, but I'd rather you know get it physical if I can. But, um, but that's what I've been watching. Uh, I've also I've watched a few episodes of Psych, um, and I've been. Uh, now that i'm back into magic i can't help but uh i've found several youtubers that i'm really interested in with their magic related content um so i've been watching way too much youtube um more than i i have in all since i stopped playing magic uh, three years ago or so so uh yeah that's what i've been watching we need to get into our review of infernal affairs though because we've run a little little longer than normal let's get into the, the stats um, the reason we picked this film, or the reason I picked this film, is because this is the original for The Departed. Uh, Martin Scorsese does The Departed in, I think, 2006 with Matt Damon, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, Al Pacino, uh, no, not <laughs> Jack Nicholson, sorry, don't know where I went there, um, and Mark Wahlberg, who uh, actually, I think, is nominated for supporting actor for that movie. Um, the Departed is beloved here in the States. Infernal Affairs, I was it was brought to my attention by a friend that this was the uh, original, and I bought it three years ago. And I've been meaning to watch it and haven't got to it, and this uh, original theme made the most sense. So, um, I don't know the country of origin um, for sure. I don't want to be racist, of course, and say the wrong country of origin, so I am looking um, to see if it says it. Please say it somewhere, IMDb. Country of origin, Hong Kong, so China. Um, is a Chinese film and uh, stars Andy Lau, Tony Chi Wei Leng, or Ling Leung. I'm so sorry, everybody who likes these people. Anthony <laughs> Chow Sang Wong, Eric Zhang, Kelly Chen, Sammy Cheng, Edison Chen, Sean Yu, Elva Hazao, I think. Oh, I double clicked on her. Um, and Chapman Toe. We'll stop there. Directed by Andrew Lu Wei Kyung and Alan Mack. Alan Mack wrote it, um, and then of course Scorsese would like take it and make it a lot longer. This movie is an hour and forty-one minutes. I think The Departed is two hours and twenty minutes. Um, and I will say, uh, we we found this last week with the thing from Another World and the thing. I'm gonna make comparisons to The Departed in this movie. 
and I want to point out a couple of things. Um, I went through a stint in my life that I'm regretful of now when it comes to my film viewings. I avoided anything that looked sad um, because I was just like, life's sad enough. I don't need movies to be sad. I totally disagree with that now. But at the, when I was like in 2000s to 2010, that was kind of my attitude. Um, I avoided a lot of crime movies. Like I, I had not ever seen The Godfather until 2016. Um, and I had never seen The Departed. Now, the, the thing is, Corey and I buy a lot of movies that we don't watch. We had a whole month dedicated to those movies, right? I feel like it should just be every year. We have yeah, it should just, it's essentially what this podcast really is anyways. But um, yeah. several, several years ago, I think it was probably 2007 or so, I was a member of Columbia House. Do you remember those? Yeah. Like the mail order movie service? Well, I had well, forgot. CDs. To, I did DVDs um, at the time. But I, I had forgot to send the I don't want the monthly selection back. And it was The Departed. So I've owned The Departed in front, like since 2007, 2008 or something like that, right? And I never watched it until I was doing uh, – I started Burke Reviews. I finally was like, I'm going to watch this movie. And I went through like a lot of DiCaprio films because that was when The Revenant was coming out when I started Burke Reviews. And so I was like, I'm going to hit – I did a whole week of DiCaprio films that I had never seen. And there was a lot. I would never seen What's Eating Gilbert's Grape all the way through. I had never seen uh, that. I never saw Catch Me If You Can. Like I would skipped a lot of DiCaprio partly because – as I think I've mentioned uh, in, in discussions of Titanic, I was a little jealous of DiCaprio because he was the heartthrob in, when I was in high school. And how can I compete with that guy? I had nothing on him. So, like, I can't be like, oh, you like DiCaprio? Well, how about a piece of Birkenfield? It wasn't an option. So, <laughs> I'm out of here. I cannot handle you. Well, you know, so for a long time, I was very resentful and avoided his movies. Plus, Basketball Diaries made me uncomfortable as a teenager because you know, he masturbated on a roof. I wasn't, I wasn't down with that. So... I, I avoided a lot of his films. I finally watched The Departed. So I have not seen The Departed but one time in my life, and I've not seen it for three years. So my comparison to it will be much less than I did with The Thing, which I've seen several times. Um, I still, though, remember enough of, of The Departed. And one thing I will say, while I don't usually encourage a film to go long, I do feel like Scorsese's film allows a lot of the content of the, the story to marinate a little more and you're able to kind of really be invested with some a little bit more with the characters because things are moving a little slow there's a few like the opening of this movie jumps through time so fast in infernal affairs like you're just like okay here's this thing and then this happens and this happens and i'm like wait a minute hold on made me I, a little anxious yeah it made me really anxious right because the music and the the editing's really fast I, it's not a complaint but it, it... I have a complaint. Okay, go for it. Um, so, I mean, weird. obviously we're watching a foreign film and I need subtitles. I watch almost all of my shows and movies with subtitles yep. anyways. But it just, I know that they just did not get complete sentences with the subtitles. Like, they're still talking, 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 talking. And then we get half of a sentence on screen and... I know it's a half a sentence because it makes absolutely no sense and they don't even like you know they're like capitalizing things and then you know the first letter and then we're just getting these like half sentences it made it very hard to keep up and I thought that I was crazy a couple times so I like rewound it hmm. um and I replayed it and it was still you know what I mean I hadn't missed anything I did, did not you notice, notice that, that? 
I did not. Oh, yeah. Um, it, like, made me mad. I, I don't know. I felt like... Oh, you know what? I did... I'll have to say... Because I knew the story, though. I looked away a few times, even though it was a subtitled movie, because I knew kind of what the plot was. Um, and I wasn't as concerned with that. You've never seen The Departed still, correct? No. Right. I didn't have time for that. Yeah, well, I mean, I... I I do recommend you give it a watch, especially because you are a DiCaprio fan. Um, and I believe you like... Do you not like Matt Damon? Uh, he's okay. Like, I have absolutely no... I'm not interested in watching any of his Bourne movies. Like, I, I like him in something. I think that's a The first Bourne is really, really good. Um, and I, nice. I, I like Supremacy and Ultimatum fine, but I've only watched... I think I've watched... Um, born identity like three times and i've only seen the other two like once but um i'm a a general fan of damon i you know i encountered damon as a kevin smith fan early um you know he makes a lot of he's in i think he shows up in chasing amy in a real small part um and then he is a major part of dogma and he has a cam to just a cameo in um jay and silent bob strike back um and he looked i think he's uh yeah yeah they confirmed he will be in jay and silent bob reboot um, same thing with Ben Affleck, which is huge because apparently Affleck had a falling out with Smith a few years ago that I didn't know about. But oh, um, but so I, I'm a Matt Damon fan. I'm also I I like Mark Wahlberg in the right role, and The Departed is the right role. He's perfectly cast in The Departed, and I I do tend to like Jack Nicholson, um, and he's really good in this role. Um, Jack Nicholson plays the uh, Sam, like the crime boss role, um, oh, in the American Departed, um, and he's excellent. Um, Han Sam, I guess is his name. Uh, looking at the cast list here, um, so I'll go. Like we're kind of just all over the place already, but um, I I enjoyed this movie. I do think it is well told. Um, I didn't I didn't see the issue with the subtitles, but again, I definitely was able. I was willing to look away a few times, which I usually don't do for a subtitled film, but because I was so comfortable with the general premise of the story i was okay with uh not but i think they hit a lot of the emotional beats really strong um even though this movie moves a little more rapid i thought the performances were really good um and that the they do an interesting thing that i don't remember the departed being quite so obvious with one of the themes of the film um like there's a whole character who's basically dedicated to making sure the the audience gets what the movie's like central internal conflict is and um but i thought it worked still like i, I did i found it, it was like it's a little on the nose but okay like i i, I get it um but i i like both of the characters i like the uh the internal struggle that they're going through even the premise if you're not familiar um i didn't read uh the imdb premise like i normally do it's um because it's not a really good written one it says a story between a mole in the police department and an undercover cop their objectives are the same to find out who the who is the mole and who is the cop so there's a crime boss a big gangster he sends one of his young recruits who has a perfectly clean record into the police academy to infiltrate uh the police force and so we follow his story but we're also following a young cop who is like really uh top of his class but he's kicked out of the academy quote unquote they make it look like he's kicked out of the academy but he's actually hired um to infiltrate the the gang and so we jump ahead rapidly in the beginning of the movie to that point where they've both been invested in their their um, positions for a while. I think the uh, the mole in in the gang 
says he's been doing it for 10 years and that's like literal minutes into the movie we find out he's been doing it for 10 years so like we jump ahead a lot um because we watch the inception of the idea jumping ahead 10 years and at that point where the big kind of conflict comes there's only a few people in the police force who even knows he's a cop most people have no idea who he is in relation to the police force so um it's a really interesting premise uh that leads to a lot of tension um you know it it deals with like almost espionage but at a local level because usually when you see like a spy movie it's they're going all over the place international yeah and while this is technically international to us because this is in china um we are uh we are witnessing you know a very small localized uh process and it's the cat and mouse type games that that get played are really compelling Mm -hmm. Um, and of course the, uh, the double crossing that is potentially there, uh, in the nature of what this is, is very, very engaging. And I, I found this version of the, the story, um, to be really strong and I, I enjoyed the watch. Uh, what about you? Mm, I'm hoping that talking to you is going to make me like it a little more. It was very distracting that I felt like I was missing dialogue and I could get that. I, um... Yeah, I mean, it was stressful. I know it's supposed to be a little stressful, but that's also not the kind of... If I'm going to sit and watch a movie and give something my time, I don't want to feel stressed. See, I, I have enough adulting in my life that does that. I don't agree with that sentiment at all, and I also don't think you normally do, because horror movies can make you feel stressed, right? Like, you know, suspenseful. Uh... Like, Green Room is a movie that you enjoy, and how can you argue that's not a stress-inducing film, right? Fair. So uh, I am. I, I don't feel like I watch that a lot, and to be honest, I don't feel like scary movies are really stressful. I guess that depends on what what triggers the uh, the stress or anxiety. But um, like, you haven't seen Crawl, right? No, not yet. I really want to. I I really enjoyed Matt. Also, Matt from what I watched tonight. Co. Uk. Yeah, I saw he reviewed. He it. also liked it a lot. Um, we're going to be doing that review on Bamp here in a couple of days, um, but. Uh, that movie was super stress-inducing. Like I was, I would say I was more stressed. It did make oh, me jump a couple oh. times, but it's I was on edge through a lot of. God. That. And they're in the water, like mm-hmm. so that can. Well, and right really... now we are, uh, we're not like in a real flood, but we are. Our like community is underwater. Like so much of our oh, grass God. is like underwater because it's been raining every day, and the grass just can't absorb anymore. So like we basically have a swamp in our front yard, and um, I was driving home from getting my salad because I, I, I got a salad from zaxby's and uh there was a i think it was a catfish meandering down the road like oh my god what <laughs> yeah i had to like swerve around it was definitely a fish and the only it's a it's walking and i'm pretty sure catfish can do that if i'm not mistaken so it, it was something like that just and i'm like okay and it was like, like we do have a a lake at the front of our our park but this was not anywhere near that it was in the middle um, of like the whole park it had probably swam down a puddle or maybe a fish dropped it or not a fish dropped it a bird dropped it um, or something like that but it was like just walking down the road I'm like alright that's happening so yeah uh, alligator you know floods in crawl are feeling a little too close to home right now because there's I could literally walk out in the morning and there could be a gator in my front yard in like in water mind you too like so um, yeah I have to just kind of you know and I I I saw a baby gator about two blocks down the road from my house like a month ago. 
So they're not that far to begin with. So it would not be impossible for them to uh, show up in my yard. So crawl a little too real, a little too uh, close. <laughs> to but all right. I I have to I have to say something really quick. Sorry. Yes. No. Please. Back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They already had it in a small theater in my theater. Um. Yeah, it's not gonna. It's not a blockbuster type of movie. Um, it's you know Tarantino's films have never been. I mean, th- he's gonna make money. His he has a f- huge fan base, obviously, but he's still his movies are uber violent. They are uh, a lot of bad language. Um, a lot of times, even if they are not inherently racist, they do deal with racial tension. So they they don't appeal to a large populace. You know, it's not a four quadrant popcorn movie. Um, the, in fact, this is one of his only films that he's released in the summer, uh, which I was oh. a little surprised about. He's not usually a summer movie type of guy. Like Hateful Eight came out around Christmas, um, and that was his last film. Um, I, I actually, that was the only one I've seen in theaters, so I don't even know for sure when the other ones came out off the top of my head because I have no uh, personal experience with him. But I, I did look when I saw this one was coming out in the summer because I was like, really? How many times has he done that? And it's not many. Um, but yeah, I, especially like this, this weekend alone, there's four movies coming out. Um, none of them are going to be very good, <gasps> uh, but like, what? I mean, Ex- scary stories you tell in the dark, I hope is very good, but we have to be realistic here, Corey. It's the second week in August and it's getting dumped with three other movies. There's a reason that usually happens and it's not a good one. Um, there is a chance. It's gonna be I great. I just need you to stop right now. Hey, I hope it's great. I'm, I'm I want to see it tomorrow. I can't because they've already trimmed our uh, our show times back to three. They don't have a um, oh. ten o'clock screening because it's back to school. So and I have to work until like eight. So I miss the uh, the screenings for everything tomorrow. Um, but I will uh, I will see it this weekend. Um, but also Dora the Explorer or Dora the Lost City of Gold comes out this weekend the uh how to drive race cars in the rain or whatever it is with the batman dog um what? have you not seen it the dog is it has voiced... amanda sick read in it right yeah or i'm not a big fan of her anyways but uh the the dog is voiced by kevin costner and the the trailer is one of the funniest things i've ever seen because it's like picture of the puppy the puppy goes that's me the puppy and i'm like what are you christian bale's batman what's happening um <laughs> It's I the worst seen those choice for a voice uh, <laughs> ever. Um, and then uh, <laughs> the other movie is uh, Brian, Brian Banks, I think is the name of it. It's uh, based on a true story of a college football player who is falsely, I think he's falsely accused of murder, but he gets c- uh, convicted. And this is like his story of like surviving jail and, and, you know, staying strong, you know, despite everything seeming to go wrong. Um, you know, staying true to himself and his his innocence. Um, it looks like an inspirational story. In fact, a friend of the show, Big Tuna, um, got to interview the real life Brian Banks uh, recently for his website, uh, popaxiom.com. Uh, so go over there, check out. He's got a lot of interviews um, going. I, I don't want to say any other ones. I think that one's already out. So, um, but he's got a, a, some other stuff yeah. popping up there. Um, so check it out. Uh, and that movie again comes out this weekend with those other three we mentioned. But. Um, let uh unless you want to, anything else spoiler free do you let's get into spoilers and we'll wrap up this review of infernal affairs nope guys from here on out we're going to talk about this movie in great detail you've been warned now we did watch this i don't think i mentioned we watched this on voodoo uh it is available digital but um i think i i bought the blu-ray with the digital copy like 
I think it was with the digital copy because I have it digital. Um, a while, like again, like three years ago, when I when I watched The Departed, I bought it almost immediately afterwards. And because uh, part of my goal when I started BerkReviews.com was to expand my viewing outside of U.S. films because I had a bad habit of avoiding subtitles at that time. Um, but it just never made it in into my DVD player that year. Um, so uh, why we're finally watching it now? But um, okay. The one thing, and I haven't confirmed this, but I, th oh, I guess I won't say that because that would be a spoiler for a different film that you have not seen yet. Um, I don't necessarily think Scorsese went to remake this a hundred percent. Is what I was gonna say basically. Um, like he makes some creative choices to alter the the story, and obviously it's not set in China. Uh, his is set in Boston, um, but uh, Matt Damon plays the uh, the gang member who infiltrates the police department. And Leo DiCaprio is the cop who infiltrates um, Jack Nicholson's gang. Uh, so in case you were curious how that plays out. Um, mm. And uh, I, but let's, let's focus on Infernal Affairs. I really found uh, the tension to be exquisite. Like I, I like the tension in this movie. I, I don't mind feeling stressed out um, because I feel like that's exactly what the movie wants us to feel um, because that's what our, um, I would say, I'm trying to remember who's who in terms of the the uh, the names, um, which one's the cop and which one's the uh, the gang member who is a cop. Um, oh, you... oh, um... yeah. See, I, I think Yon was the guy who infiltrated the gang, and I thought it was I thought his name was Lau. Yeah, I think it's Lau who. Uh infiltrated police department okay so yeah yeah yeah. you're right uh yeah. inspector lao kin ming who is played by andy lao um so that was good coincidence um i guess uh but he infiltrates uh the police department and becomes like a respected cop and it, it's so crazy because like every time it looks like he's gonna like get caught he gets a promotion or whatever like he, he gets moved into ia which is perfect for him because he really needed to be looking for the you know who who is the mole in the the mob um but like yeah i was really on edge with them um and i i you know i cared uh there's some there's a few moments that i think play differently um because this is a foreign film like they're not trying to do like hollywood stuff there's some melodramatic type moments there's the scene where they, they've arrested sam the leader of the gang and he's eating food like in like the interrogation room and he's got like his whole gang behind him and you're just like that's yeah. not how this works like they don't just let you like hang out in the, in and the... have all this takeout yeah like and he's just eating away and then he throws the food i don't know if you notice when he like slams the food but like his sleeve is like covered in some kind of sauce Blech. and it's just like i don't know if it was supposed to he i don't know it made him look less badass to me because i'm like yeah. you, you know it looks so cool but throwing the food and then being covered in the food like throwing noodles yeah but um it did make me I... really want chinese food which i can't eat so much of it because it's like almost all of it especially american chinese food is covered in sauces and the sauces have mm -hmm. lots of sugar and the sugar has thus carbs um but man I, it made me really want chinese food um in that moment until he threw it and i was like oh dude uh <laughs> Don't waste all that delicious food. But... Oh, um, what was his name? S.P. Wong. Um, 
I can't remember what SP stands for right now, but he was like the head of the division. Yeah. And he was the only one who knew that Jan had infiltrated who he was. And Jan's file is locked. And another partner or someone who knew dies. So yeah, we he's see the that only one now. Early. That's one of the first um, scenes in the movie. Uh, like when we jump ahead after like the beginning, we see the funeral of the, the inspector who hired him. Um, and yeah. It was- kind of surprising to me that Jan like goes outside of the shop and he like salutes him because anyone could have seen him yeah and we can see that he's shaken uh and upset about that but obviously he can't really mourn um and then like why why would that be a good idea to have one person who knows who you really are to have your file locked I was just like this is gonna go so badly well I mean it makes a lot of sense um because of how important he is to them like you know it's it's protecting him because if there is a mole and there and there is a mole in the agency nobody else knows um two it until uh keep in mind it's been going on for 10 years nobody suspected it until that moment apparently you know that's the implication like we're we're meant to believe that they've been like sleeper agents almost they've been doing these jobs almost exclusively and yes you know we get the implication that uh, Jan has done some things that he's turned some things in and he's risked his life in the by doing so but we when we join them in that moment it seems to be where everything really starts to to go like um because uh there's no indication that Sam knew there was a mole in his organization until that one meeting goes wrong that seems to be when he's like no I know for a fact there's a mole so it makes me think that everything else had been small potatoes up until this moment when we were really with them. Um, I feel like there might be more in The Departed. Like there's like a couple of scenes that like lead up to Jack Nicholson being skeptical. Um, I hope I'm right. It is. I haven't looked at The Departed. I'm 90% sure it's Nicholson. I keep picturing Pacino for some reason, and I'm sure it's Nicholson. But I, I don't know why I keep uh, putting Pacino in that movie. Um yeah, it's Nicholson. I don't know why I keep putting him as Pacino, but... Oh, yeah, Martin Sheen's in that, too. Um, oh, and Vera Farmiga? I don't remember what she did in that movie. She must be Matt Damon's girlfriend in that. Like, looking at the cast, because she's, like, the only female for a while. She's definitely the biggest named actress in the movie, too. But, um... I mean, I really gotta rewatch this movie. And, um, I mean, if they were going to... Excuse me. If they were going to put someone else in a position to know who he is it would have probably been Lau so yeah it's for the best anyway yeah it does seem that way right because Lau gets a lot of trust um early uh, mm-hmm. I love there's like little scenes with like him calling uh Sam and acting like he's talking to his grandma or his mom or whatever oh my gosh his wife it sounds like at one point he's like I won't be able to make it to dinner mm-hmm. and like, right in front of sp wong well and i love the morse code element of it though that um that yan is like communicating by tapping on the window and we like i i didn't know where the microphone was when that was happening and then when we see it's like outside the window um i was like dang Uh, that was really smart like he he was super smart because then the guy smashed his cast his cast yeah and the cast was legit apparently um because he looks so mad when it happens and like he looks like he's hurt you know like so uh, not emotionally hurt, like physically, like oh my god, why would you smash my my uh, broken arm, you jerk? But um, 
and I like Yon and the the psychiatrist, um, Doctor Lee Sum Yi, who I think is able to help like validate. Uh, she like gets the epilogue, where we get like all you know all the stuff because this movie ends with I think the bad guy winning, right? Like, um, and that no, I go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, so Matt Matt Damon's character in the departed is uh inspector lao kin ming here and lao kin's uh girlfriend wife whatever i think fiance i I feel like they maybe they get married through the time that passes in the film i don't think we see their wedding but um we do see them like moving into a new place and there's this conversation that they have about a book she's writing this and, where you're saying is right on the nose. Yeah, it's right on the nose, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, and at one point though, she's telling him she knows, like uh, to me, because she's like tearing up. Oh, oh yeah. And so like it's her way of like using an allegory to put it out in <clears throat> front of him, like you need to tell me who you are. Are you a good guy or are you the bad guy? And he, you can see throughout the film, like I think he likes being a cop. But his loyalty goes a hundred percent goes to Sam, but once Sam is gone, he goes to covering his tracks. Like, why lose my career? I've established this. I'm I'm established now, and Sam's gone. I can just be a cop now. I just have to clear up a few loose ends, and I can be a, a good guy. He can become the man that his girlfriend, wife, whatever, thinks he what or thought he was. Now, but he has to be a worse man in order to do it and that's where him and Jan have the, the standoff and Jan uh, does not make it yeah I was kind of mad about that yeah yeah it's 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 uh, upsetting um, and that's <sighs> the interesting thing because technically the good guy won right because he's a cop Jan is a, a gangster and while Jan is a you know we know he's an undercover cop we are also told that Jan's had to break the law many times to, to <laughs> prove his cover well, yeah, also, like, I think that uh, Wong says to him something about him doing something that got in trouble, but how would you expect someone to be immersed in that life for especially that long and to be Ten years. this criminal's, like, right-hand man? He seems like one of the most trusted, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. He's definitely, like, a lieutenant at the point we join him in the film how would you expect him to not be murdered uh, you know and yeah. to keep his cover without doing some of those things i um i felt like it got a little too whatever when there are extra moles places and like i can't remember the guy's name when all that goes down when wong goes to meet lao and mm-hmm. then sp wong like keeps them all um all of Sam's like henchmen busy so that Lao can get away and then he ends up being thrown from the top of a building. Yeah. Um I and there's like gunfire and stuff, but the guy who's driving the car that Jan gets into at what I was confused because all of a sudden he's like dying and shot in the stomach. Yeah, I I was also confused. I rewound that part. Because I could not uh-huh. figure out what happened. I was like, hold up now. Wh- how did he die? Because it seemed like, because it starts in the middle of a busy city, and then they're, like, out in the countryside, so it doesn't make any sense to me that if he was shot there, that he would have lasted that long without Jan knowing, and that 
he said that he covered for him. If Sam knew, then he would have killed him. That he wasn't present at whatever he said he <coughs> would go to his masseuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like he covered for him, thinking he covered for a friend, but actually did cover up the mole. Um, I yeah, I still don't know how he died. I I am that part really throws me off. I because he's got a. I mean, I know how he died. He's got a what appears to be a bullet wound in his heart. But he had time to do like a whole monologue and drive the guy away. So yeah, I don't know where the like bullet came passed. from. Because he yeah. wrecks all of a sudden too. Like even the wreck felt jarring. I was like, wait a minute, I don't know what's happening right now. No. Um, He's like a little uh, all of a sudden off the road. Yeah, and then he has like the a really sad. I mean, he's he is a he's in the movie quite a bit, but it's still like a big monologue for like a a side character. Like it's it's a long bit of talking he gets to do. Um, yeah, that that is my. Uh, you had the issue with the subtitles. My biggest complaint was that death. I, I did not understand how that guy got shot or when he got shot. Like I was like, did he just get shot? Did someone like snipe him? I don't understand what's happened <laughs> yeah. in this moment. Um. Um. And then when we find out that is it Inspector B is also a mole, and then he kills Yan, and then Lao kills Inspector B. <sighs> yeah. It just seemed a little much. It was. I felt well, like it was trying to and be. And you clever. have to think, too, with him killing Inspector B, though. And it, it does make sense that, you know, there is more than one There'd mole. Be more than one. Well, at the beginning of the movie, we see Sam talking to, like, eight guys. He's not talking to just y- Yao. You know, he sends a whole group of guys into the police force, but they have to, one, make it through the academy. They have to, you know, get into a position that actually matters. And that's what Inspector B says is, like, he's never really had an opportunity to do anything you know he's just a cop um but uh inspector b knows that yao is a is also a mole so that's why yao has to kill him because again he's trying i think to become a good guy but in order to do it he has to become the worst guy that he's been in the time that we've seen him like he's you know um i i actually say i think matt damon plays that role so freaking well because he feels evil in that moment in the movie when he comes to that decision where he's at that crossroads where he either loses everything he's he's earned oddly earned or he becomes this villain in order to keep it and i think damon's like so scary in that moment um and i i really i really want to encourage you to watch uh i actually want to rewatch the departed after watching this um because i am a big uh damon fan and i like leo dicaprio a whole lot um, and I like Jack Nicholson quite a bit too, actually, when he's in, uh, the right movies. Um, and this, that performance is super strong. Um, but yeah, I really, uh, I, I really like this film. I think, I think both are really compelling. I do like, I've grown to really, uh, appreciate crime and cop movies. And this has a, uh, a noir kind of vibe to it because it, it, you know, there's not really, oh, I didn't even think about that. That might be why it didn't click for you. <laughs> there is that that negative, fatalistic kind of ending um, that you tend to not like, uh, and I tend to like. And here it is again, rearing its head. I mean, I liked Lao. Nope, I liked Yan. Yeah. A, a bit, but like, I still wasn't very. I don't know. Uh, I, I just. Mean, well, it you could. I wouldn't call this a detective story, um, but you could definitely. It's definitely a crime movie, and 
that is adjacent to a detective story, right? Like, it's, there's not really a mystery unsolving. This is closer to a spy film, as I mentioned earlier, um, in the way that, you know, there's the double crossing and you don't know who you can trust, and that's where that tension and anxiety comes in. I tend to like that. I'm not sure for with that, but the detective stories that we've watched that are in the noir, fatalistic side, uh, Chinatown, L.A. Confidential, you have not enjoyed, mostly, if I recall correctly, Brick. Um, right. And I have loved all of those movies. In fact, they've become... I, I, am a, I would say I'm a very big fan of noir, even though I still have a lot to watch. Um, like, Double Indemnity is a movie that I absolutely adore. And uh, I'm teaching noir this year, and I'm very excited to get to it. It's later in the year, but uh, they're going to be watching um, Double Indemnity and Brick. Um, I like to do an old one and then a new one. Uh, I'm, I, I sh- I've shown Brick once, and the, it was mixed. Uh, some of my students really could not get on board with the old adult style dialogue with high school kids um which is one of the things i love about it of course i am a big ryan johnson fan uh i i think i like all of his movies that i've seen i, I haven't seen brother bloom still but um but yeah so infernal affairs um anything else you want to discuss before we give our reviews i'm just glad that he was redeemed after all even though mm-hmm Yes, I mean yeah. he's dead, and it they, doesn't really. They do give you that epilogue though, where he does get uh, at least acknowledged for his hard work and dedication. Even though you're right, he doesn't get to enjoy any of that recognition, but um, at least his his name is exonerated. He is not uh, condemned to be this thug who got murdered. Mm-hmm. You know, so a, a good point. Uh, he does get what he deserves. Um, I don't believe Yao doesn't get anything though right they don't tell us like that they caught him or anything right we're just no he salutes him or you know at the no it seemed like everything was just fine on his end he's gotten away with with uh murder um yeah probably that's like kind of i don't know like i don't really like that it kind of communicates that that well uh, see i don't think it's advocating it i think it's i think the the implication is that this the world we live in sometimes the bad guys win and uh, i don't think he's encouraging that i don't think that's um i don't think the filmmakers the writers are saying that this is hey it's okay to be a bad guy i think it's more like humanity is not promised that being good will will reap the benefits you know that you, you might do everything right in your life and still be murdered yeah which is that fatalistic attitude is that you know uh, we we try so hard to be good and nothing we do matters That's the point yeah because yeah. like he was undercover to stop this mobster and yes they did stop one villain but in the process they essentially made another villain right like in order to for uh yao t- or lao to um continue his his existence the way he wanted to he had to become this evil force and who knows he might still be running sam's business now you know maybe he takes over sam's business works it from the inside or something um it, anything's possible he could go straight and do nothing wrong but and i don't know like um i didn't do a lot of reading on it but apparently there's an infernal affairs two and three i don't know if it's like a continuation that's interesting um the storyline like the same i'm glad yeah. to say that there is no I'll... departed two or three uh you know this doesn't feel like a movie that should have a sequel but um i can see why they would want to do a sequel especially like it's not i wouldn't call this an action movie there is some some shootouts and stuff but it's it's definitely more focused on the tension and the uh storytelling than it is on the action set pieces but 
Um, are you ready to give a review? Yeah. Um, I'm. I'm leaning towards must see. I think I might go not quite golden though. Uh, and and leaning towards must see. I think this movie won't resonate for everybody. Um, but if it if you're into crime movies, if you're into uh, you know a lot of tension, I think this film is definitely one to watch. Um, I I do think I prefer The Departed. Uh, not to say this one's not better, but I think I like Scorsese's style a lot. I'm a I'm definitely a Scorsese fan. I've not seen all of his films. I've seen enough to know I enjoy his films, and um, I don't believe there's a Scorsese film that I've seen that I don't at least appreciate. Uh, and The Departed. I'm also a big fan of the three lead actors, so I think The Departed just resonated with me a little more. Um, and so that's where I would say, if I were like comparing, I'd say Departed's must-see for sure. I think this is a, a not-quite-golden leaning towards must-see. Um, but again, I have a few issues with like that the, that one death that makes no sense to me. And uh, even I, I really felt like the, the intro felt a little too erratic. Um, and that could be language barrier, maybe because I'm having to read subtitles and it's erratic, like it's moving so fast that it I was like, what's happening? But kind of reminded me of Run Lola Run. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. Even like, the, the music, like the, the pacing of the oh. music and everything kind of sit there. But I, I like Run Lola Run. That worked more there for me because the story is so simple. Uh, and also it takes place over a short amount of time. Yeah. It's like 10 to... minutes or 20 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, it's like twenty minutes because they that's three. It's three sets of twenty minutes or three sets of thirty minutes or something like that. Um, act one, two, and three, and run all the run. Yeah, but I, I agree the uh, the editing and the pacing of the music really uh, resonate um, with run all the run. Uh huh. So I had, don't throw rocks at me. I'm going mm-hmm. with a decent watch because it just really oh. wasn't my cup of tea. And, and movies are not going to resonate with everybody the same. That is perfectly acceptable. Um but and again i think uh we've we've learned over the three years we've been doing this that your taste with this type of movie tends to be pretty consistent um they don't they don't really click with you uh you don't like the fatalistic negative type endings of these movies and i can't make you that's just you know the way it is um it works for me um i think maybe that's the cynic in me and kind of appreciates films that do this um Plus, it, so many films don't do this. So many films do give you the happy ending that when one like this exists and it's done well, I really appreciate them um, a lot. So I think that's completely acceptable. Fair. That said, Corey, you want to tell our listeners what we're going to be watching next week? Because I believe it is your pick again. Oh, my God. Uh-oh. Is it The Fly? <laughs> uh, I will confirm, but I think you are correct. Um, I'm pulling okay. up the schedule here now. No, it's The Vanishing. I forgot oh. that I have oh, yeah, three no, movies the other way around. this month. You've seen The Original Fly. It's next month for the remake. Spoilers, everyone. Okay, perfect. That Sorry. we're watching The Fly. No, we're watching The Vanishing from 1988. I need to watch The the Vanishing from 1993 because uh, I've never seen that one either. I don't have to, but I'm going to try to if I can get a hold of it. Um, this one is supposed to be on HBO. I hope it still is. Uh, or we're going to have to make a purchase. Um but uh, it was on HBO at one point um, the original from 88 at least we can because this was put on Criterion but you can still rent it on like Amazon and stuff and yes and if it is still on uh, HBO then and you have 
listener, if you have access to HBO, you can watch it there. That's where we're planning on watching it. If for some reason that doesn't pan out, we will be renting it on one of those digital platforms that you mentioned. Um, it is directed by George Sluzier. Sluzier? Sluzier? Sluzier. Who also directs the 1993 American version of this film. Um, it stars Bernard Pierre uh, Donadou, Jean Bervotes, uh, Johanna Ter Stige, Gwen Ecos, Bernadette La Sachet. I'm just enjoying that so much. Yeah, yeah I'm so good at this, <laughs> listeners. Uh, Tanya Larderjet and Lucille Glenn. I'm going to stop there. They don't have pictures on IMDb even, so they probably aren't professional actors anymore. Um, this film is, what is it? Uh, is it from the Netherlands? Yeah, Country I do believe origin so. It says Netherlands, France, West Germany on IMDb. But language spoken Dutch, so yeah, it's going to be a uh, set mainly in. Oh, also French and English. Okay, so maybe we bounce around a bit. I don't know. Um, I, I'm intrigued by this. Uh, I had never heard of it until you brought this up. But you'd seen the '93 version, and you thought, "Hey, why not go back and check out this, the original?" Um, that will be our next episode, listeners. So. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews. Corey? At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And we'll be back next week with our review of The Vanishing from 1988. Um, if you like the show, we'd ask that you rate, review, and uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If it's iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, or if you use Anchor.fm. In fact, if you do use Anchor.fm to listen to our podcast, that is our web host, uh, or our podcast host, uh, you can actually call our show, leave a voicemail, and tell us what you think, and maybe, just maybe, we'll include you on a future episode um, where we people can hear your thoughts. Um, so with that, we leave you, and until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts, covering the entire movieverse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.